Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, where we talk about all things related to post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress, which means the content in this podcast can be graphic. And if you suffer from PTSD or complex PTSD, keep in mind you could become triggered. Should that happen, stop the podcast and take care of yourself. If you want, you can always come back later. I'm the guinea pig here, and it is my life I examine on Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. It is my hope that my trials and tribulations, successes and failures, will somehow compel you to examine your life and discover your gifts. Socrates said, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. This is a call to action for all of us. As a clinical social worker for more than 25 years, this was my trade, my vocation, and from personal experience, I can tell you, without a doubt, that what you don't know can hurt you. My entire life, I've been compelled to support and encourage people to grow, to boldly look within and courageously examine their lives. Shine your light onto those dark spaces, and the solutions you seek will reveal themselves. Now, please, have a seat, relax, and listen to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. I'm your host, Ray Erickson. It's March 18th, 2021, and today I need to talk about grief. Not just old, unresolved grief, but grief tied to the present and the future as well. I know y'all might be getting sick of my weekly whining about my marriage, but I believe I'm getting close to a final resolution. There have been no relative communications, which means there has been no progress, and I'm tired. She flat out refuses to respond to any effort I make. We can talk about most anything else, but not the relationship. And we have no solid ground where we can build a stronger, more intimate relationship. And it grieves me so, but I've concluded that I need to pursue a divorce when the time is right. Oof, damn, that's heavy. I brought up the D word. This fills me with anxiety, but I believe it's an inevitable outcome. I'm just waiting for my heart to catch up. More fucking grief. God damn it. I'm sure any competent psychiatrist would advise me against getting divorced. After all, I'm not a spring chicken, and I may be old, and I may be atypical, but I'm not an idiot. Well, most of the time. Before I can file for a divorce, I need to finalize my permanent residency status in Costa Rica. All I need to do is complete one form, pay $200, and schedule an appointment for three months down the road. When I get these steps completed, I will have permanent residency sometime in late June or early July. Then I can pursue the divorce. I hesitate to tell my wife my intention to divorce because, and I hate to say it, she has the power to undermine my residency status. And as hard as it is for me to imagine her doing that, the truth is I don't know her well enough to know that she would not sabotage my residency. After 12 years, this is a real hard thing to acknowledge. Not talking about this stuff is not my style. I'm usually right up front, right from the get-go, 
and I am not comfortable keeping a secret about a decision I have made. I prefer to announce it right away. Meanwhile, I have a perfectly nice place to live for as long as I want to live here. However, I am thinking about leaving Costa Rica and returning to the States. Most people would question my sanity about leaving Costa Rica, and yeah, I hear you. There's a good chance that all this grief stuff will blow over, and I will adjust to a life as a happy expat living in a little casita on the side of a hill in Costa Rica. What kind of nut job would give all this up to return to where he came from? It just doesn't make sense. I would have to agree, and, and that's why I'm in no hurry to jump ship anytime soon, just because my marriage is on the rocks. I have a lot of confidence when it comes to adjusting to new circumstances, because for much of my adult life, I've been thrust into the path of an oncoming new circumstance with all too much regularity. This has always been true. Perhaps one of these days I'll count all the times I've moved. I think everyone will be surprised by that number. Sounds like fun till I begin to work on it. Then I become overwhelmed with grief. Each one of these relocations has grief deep in its bones. Every time I moved, I left a trail of lost hopes and broken dreams. If you encourage me, though, maybe I'll make an episode out of it. I don't think it's only me, but it feels like I've moved a thousand times, and there have been so many losses along the way. These moves didn't always result in a safe and secure experience either. Sometimes I jumped out of the frying pan and straight into the fire. Silly me. All of my knee-jerk responses to crises did nothing but create more grief. Grief upon grief. Layers of grief that seem to go on into infinity. There are barely words for the depth of the grief that has been washed up on the shores of my consciousness. It's hard for me to even conceive of the magnitude of pain and sorrow I have experienced throughout my life. I'm not whining here. I'm simply stating a fact. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. It's part of the package when you have complex post-traumatic stress. And grief is heavy shit. And humans are not particularly good at grieving. Don't even get me started on Americans. Here in Latin America, grief is worn on the shirt sleeves. You encounter the mourning families parading on foot behind the hearse that carries their fallen loved one. Flowers and Bibles are held in their arms, and everyone is wearing black. Following the burial, the group gathers at the lost one's home, where the wake continues for a few hours or throughout the night. Regardless, the body is buried within 24 hours. Costa Rica doesn't waste any time putting you in the ground or cremating you. I've heard that the main reason for the rush is because embalming fluid is not used here. And you know what happens under those conditions. Nevertheless, Tico seems to be fine with this process. Located prominently in the center of every Costa Rican town stands a Catholic church, and adjacent to the church is a football field. The bigger the town, the bigger the church, and the church oversees much of the cultural activities in these communities. I believe the strict Catholic dogma is so interwoven into the people's lives that Ticos do not fully grieve. Tico funerals are sober events. 
little to no alcohol and perhaps a buffet of typical Tico foods. They are generally short and are finished within a few hours. Then everyone returns home to get on with their busy day-to-day lives. Ticos don't spend much public time expressing grief. Sure, everyone cries at a funeral, but funerals seem to be an interruption in the lives of many Ticos. But what do I know? I'm looking at it from the outside, and given my extremely limited experience, I think I'll just shut up right now about it. Now, the main reason I came back to Costa Rica in the first place was in support of my wife, who wanted to be closer to her family. We have now been here for more than five years, and leaving Costa Rica would be a monster decision. I have learned over the past 69 years that sometimes it is best to let an idea marinate for a while. Right now, I'm in the idea phase of the decision. There are many things that need to be sorted out, and there is much research to do before I can seriously consider going back to the States. It is difficult for me to focus on these things because, well, well, because it triggers my guilt. It triggers my shame and my pain. I don't want to look at this, but I know I need to. It's all part of my grief process. On Tuesday, I finished drafting the letter informing my wife of my desire to divorce and perhaps leave Costa Rica. Now, I have not sent that letter to her, but writing it really put me in a funk. I'm not surprised. I've learned that one of the best ways to treat a funk is to distract myself with something else. So, I took a break and decided to watch a movie. A comedy, of course. Comedies are my go-to genre whenever I feel depressed. And writing that letter took a big chunk out of me. I needed something to recharge me. I fired up Netflix and started browsing the comedies, and the School of Rock caught my eye. I'd seen it before, and fortunately for me, it has been long enough since I first watched it that I forgot most of the movie. The School of Rock rocks, not so much with the idea of kids playing heavy metal rock and roll, but because of Jack Black's over-the-top performance. He gets the kids to buy in with his unconditional regard for each of the children in his class. There's not one moment in that movie where he discourages any of his students. He is either a terrible teacher or a genius teacher who supports and nurtures the hopes and dreams with each student in a way that hits home for that student. I was totally involved with the movie and rode the roller coaster as if I were in the film. There were so many touching moments when Ned was positively affirming his class that I cried big crocodile tears. And not just once, many times. I laughed, I cried, I sang along. It was wonderful. And I had to tell you about it. I felt so much better after that movie. Even though I knew I was still depressed, it lightened the load. I went back for another comedy later on. I really needed to lighten my load. I've been really withdrawn over the past several weeks. Part of me doesn't mind because I don't have to deal with people, but it's becoming too comfortable being alone. When I'm low on food, I go into town and buy some food, which I did on Monday. Now I don't have to go anywhere for at least a week, maybe 10 days, 
But thinking like that is self-defeating and it sabotages my mental health. I need to get out. I need to go to Esca Zoo to get my insurance sticker for the Subaru. I need to hit up Price Mart and Auto Mercado to pick up things that I could only get there. I have a friend in Santana who just had surgery over a week ago and I have not been down to see him. This makes me feel like a terrible friend. Besides, getting out into the world is one of those power things I can do to meet the depression head on. Depression makes it easy to just sit here, alone, and lonely, wishing and hoping someone would reach out to me. But that's not how life works. Life doesn't come to you. You need to go to life. I'm thinking about doing this trip tomorrow. Doing nothing is doing something. It just doesn't get you anywhere. It gets you stuck, and it keeps you stuck. So, if you've been like me over the past few weeks, then get off your arses and take a walk or do something, which is what I did on Sunday. I took a walk around the farm that I live on. The farm, or finca as they call it here in Costa Rica, is about 20 acres. And the walk did me a lot of good. That is, until I began to itch. And itch. And itch. Somehow, I came into contact with a nest of chiggers, which are tiny, blood-sucking, spider-mite type of insects. Apparently, I'm allergic to their saliva at my body, midriff, and legs, are covered with 60 to 100 red welts that itch like a dickens. I've been taking antihistamines, showering, and using huge amounts of calamine lotion. I now have pink splotches all over my body, and they still itch. This is the third day after the attack of the chiggers, and it's driving me mad. Monday morning, I woke up at 4.30, itching all over my body, I was about to go nuts, so I jumped into the shower and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed to remove as many of those devil-scent microscopic vampires. In a day or two or three, the itching will subside, but until then, these damn chiggers are a real bitch. I've had them before. It's getting to be an annual event. Note to self, put chiggers on the Costa Rica bad list. Did I say I needed a distraction from the blues? Well, the chiggers are a good example of be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. It's working, that's for sure. I'm not thinking about being depressed. Oh, no. I'm so distracted from all the itching that I've gone from suicidal thinking to thinking about euthanasia. Somebody, please, put me out of my misery. This doesn't help. And all the anxiety does is make the bites itch even more. Now I need a distraction from the distraction from the depression. Does this kind of stuff happen to you? I hope not. But I venture to say, if it isn't chiggers, it's something else that temporarily distracts you from your own blue moods. Think about that. How do you distract yourself from feeling anxious and depressed? Some of it will be healthy, and some of it won't be healthy. But if you know what these distractions are, then at least you can choose which distraction you want to be distracted by. Did I say complex post-traumatic stress is a bitch? Well, it is. But you already know that. The challenge for all of us who wrestle with this condition is to be grateful that you know what's going on. For years, I had no idea what was going on. 
I am grateful that I finally figured it out. Sure, it's not pretty, and sometimes, like you, I make an ass of myself, which I feel horrible about, but knowing I have CPTSD is a very powerful position to take. Do you remember when you didn't know? What kind of hell was that? The world was always in my shit, and when it fucked with me enough, I would get triggered and vent all of that frustration, even though I felt terrible afterwards. It feels good and bad at the same time. Yeah, triggers suck. And CPTSD sucks. But at least I know what the fuck is going on, and now that I know, I can do something about it. I can live my life one day at a time. I can feed and care for myself in a loving way. I'm doing this podcast as a loving way to take care of myself. I used to rely on women to do all of the caring for me. But that always failed. Slowly and silently, that person, whom I loved dearly, would slip into the role of my mother, the role of the abandoner, the role of the abuser. Just like the movie Groundhog's Day, it's deja vu all over again. But unlike the movie, there were no happy endings, only more loss and more grief. There was never any resolve with my family, and there has been little resolution in my past significant relationships. I'm not bemoaning my past because that's a victim stance. And like I've said many times, don't be a victim. But what's a guy to do when all of this shape-shifting is invisible, and I don't see it? Then suddenly, it's trigger time, and our dance cards are punched. The dance begins, and the dance continues to all life has been sucked out of me, sucked out of my partner, and sucked out of the relationship, leaving both of us emotionally drained and empty, like seashells washed up on the beach. This is grief. And this is what grief looks like for me. Maybe it looks different for you. It's critical to know how you grieve, because if you don't know how you, as a unique individual, grieve, then you carry a heavy load, so load that it can break your soul. Humans are made to grieve. Because life is filled with loss, and because life is filled with loss, we need to grieve. It's perfectly natural and it's absolutely necessary. Grief is not an event, but a process. There are no time constraints on how long you should or should not grieve. Sure, culture has its influence, but even within cultural context, grief has no time restraints. But grief does have specific identifying traits. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross brought clarity to the grief process when she identified the five stages of grief. Regardless of the culture, all grieving people experience these five stages. Grief applies not only to human losses, but inanimate objects as well. Let me illustrate how I grieved the loss of my favorite ink pen. It's not just any pen. It was a perfect pen. And I paid a lot of money for that pen. And I had that pen for many years. It was more than just a pen. Do you get the idea? I'm really attached to this pen. Keep that in mind, because people tend to get extremely attached to people. Whether it's people or pens, the stages of grief are the following. 
Stage one, denial. Where the hell is my pen? I can't believe it's not there. I always know where that pen is. This is denial. The pen can't be gone. It has to still be there. Denial gives a little cushion against the pain of our loss and opens the door to anger. Stage two is anger. Damn it! Where is that pen? I hate it when I can't find my pen. I'm such an idiot. This really pisses me off. Here we have anger. Anger at the pen for being lost and anger with myself for losing it. This begins an effort to bargain the loss back. Stage three, bargaining. I know it has to be around here someplace. Maybe it's in the kitchen. Is it in my coat pocket? This is bargaining with the hope that the loss suddenly shows up. This is fueled by the fear of the loss being real. When we can't bargain the loss back, then depression sets in. Stage four, depression. Eventually, I realize my pen is gone, and I become sad and depressed. I really miss that pen. It was a really good pen. I feel really bad about losing it. This is the beginning of letting go. And I prepare myself to accept the loss. Stage five, acceptance. This is where all the pieces of my grief come together and open me up to life again. In this case, life without my favorite pen. Today, I'm going to go buy a new pen. Now, the five stages of grief are a real thing. Test yourself with them. What have you been able to successfully grieve, and what are you still struggling with? Perhaps a loss so personal that it has just been impossible to look at until now. Now is the time to grieve. Be proactive. And when you find yourself dealing with a loss, then remember these five stages of grief. If you nurture yourself through your own grief process, then your load will be lighter. And you won't keep getting stuck in the past with a bucket full of unresolved grief. Oh, by the way, if you think you can do your grieving privately, then you are sadly mistaken. Grief must be shared. It needs to be processed publicly. That doesn't mean you get on the loudspeaker and tell everyone about your grief. No, it means that you, you have at least one person who can be there for you while you grieve. Someone you trust and someone who listens to you someone who doesn't judge you, and you feel like you can be you. If you don't have such a person to witness your grief, then look for a support group or get some grief counseling. The five stages of grief will definitely impact your grieving process and help you to move through the stages in a way that feels congruent with who you are. Grief that has not been processed through the five stages has not been fully grieved. You keep feeling it. It could be in stage two one day, and then stage four the next day, and then back all the way to stage one the day after that. This could go on for a long time. It depends upon you and nobody else, only you. Honor yourself when you are with grief, and don't be surprised if today's topic triggers some of that unresolved grief you are holding on to. You are the only person who knows when you are finished with your grief for any loss. And don't let anyone tell you when you should be done grieving. It's your motherfucking grief, not theirs. 
you will be done when you are done. And for most people, that means consciously moving through these five stages of grief. Grief is not for the faint of heart. It's some of the hardest work you will do in your life. Be patient with yourself, but be focused and determined to let go of all of the losses in your life. Knowing you've been carrying around a ton of unresolved grief for years may be overwhelming for you, but don't despair. Every day you put your needs first is the day you are letting go of grief. Over time, these ungrieved losses add up, and before you know it, your soul is mortally wounded, and the world looks like a giant piss hole. But it's not a giant piss hole. It's a reflection of you. Change what you see in the mirror, and the mirror will change what it reflects. Self-care and self-love are at the heart of the grieving process. The five stages of grief are a roadmap to a more satisfying life. And you know how satisfying being satisfied feels. You deserve to live your best life, just like I deserve to live my best life. And to do that, your grief must be complete. Not many people know this about grief. There is a wonderful shortcut that will help you let go of the many losses that have occurred throughout your life. Grief is very responsive to grouping similar losses into categories. Once you have these categories identified and you have sorted your losses into these categories, then the five stages of grief can be used to grieve all of the losses within any specific category. Yeah, you can lump like losses together and treat the group as one loss. This little life hack will definitely economize your grieving process. Grief will not release you until you have taken full responsibility for it. Grief is not any different than your fears or your hopes or your insecurities. Owning all of this stuff super streamlines your growth, and that includes adequately grieving your losses. You've had many losses that you probably have not completely processed, and times are wasted. Be courageous and look directly at your losses and the impact that these losses have had upon you. Until you do, your load will be heavy. And I don't want that for you. Take each day, one at a time, and don't be in a hurry. Your grief has its own timeline. Don't compare yourself to others and take all the time you need. I'll be there for you. Thank you all for coming by out of my mind in Costa Rica. You have no idea what it means to me that you are taking time to listen to my fucked up life. I hope it's helping you. It's helping me knowing that it could be helping you. If my voice resonates with you, then let your voice be heard. If you are listening on a platform that allows you to rate, review, or comment, then please indulge yourself. If you have a question, Write me an email at ray at rayerickson.com. I will get back to you right away. Share Out of My Mind in Costa Rica with people you know and ask them to share it with people they know. Help me reach the people who need to hear me. Thank you so much for your involvement. And until next time, be courageous, be strong, and be kind. I'll catch you later. Bye.